This is Brain Diet, episode 150, The Power of Breathwork and Chronic Illness with Jen Coles. I love so much focusing on the food we feed our body, but I love even more focusing on the stuff we feed our brain. My name is Taylor Ann Macy, and I am a certified life coach. Welcome to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain the best information. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. I am really excited today to share with you my conversation with Jen Coles. So Jen is a breathwork coach. Jen also has MS, and her story is the most heartbreaking, humbling, awe-inspiring that I have ever heard. And I felt so honored that she was willing to give some of her time to share that with me and that I get to subsequently share that with you today. She talks about her journey, her story, and the things that she had to overcome to get to where she is today and the power of diet and exercise and mental health support and breath work and all sorts of other resources that helped her completely turn her life around. She battled addiction and trauma and abuse and shares so much wisdom. So I am just thrilled to share her with you today. Please check out the links in the show notes that I've shared of her so you can access her and get involved with her. She is incredible. So I'm so excited to share her with you. Please enjoy this episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. I am so thrilled to be here today with Jen Coles. Jen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So let's just jump right in. Tell us about you okay, and your life first. And I have so many questions I can't wait to ask. (laughs) Well, right now I am a single mom of two teenagers. Um, They keep me busy. How old are they? 16 and 14. I love it. That's amazing. Yes. And I um, am a breathwork facilitator, which also keeps me busy. Yeah. And just doing that full time and, you know, staying busy with life. (laughs) Right. Isn't that, it just, it's real busyness in life is real. Mm -hmm. Um, so I am really happy to have you on the podcast because I was just saying this to you before we hit record. I feel like there are certain people that you just kind of feel a kindred spirit with. And especially in like the chronic illness community, there's a lot of like empathy and love for people you don't even know because you share similar things that you know you experience similar life experiences with. So I want to talk a little bit about that today because it's something that's very important to me. And on the podcast, I talk about it a great deal, obviously. Um, But you have MS and I want to hear your first, your diagnosis story. um, Cause it's been 13 years. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So tell us everything. Tell us the whole diagnosis story, how it all happened for you. Okay. Well, I'm going to go way back because I think it goes way back. Love it. it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I grew up in a um, very chaotic home with um, not very loving, not a very loving mother, parents always fighting. My nervous system was in fight or flight constantly. Mm -hmm. I did not know know how to self-regulate. You know, there was so much chaos. 
And as a kid, I was never taught any of this stuff. And so I just sat with it and always just wanted to run away. <laughs> and then I went from very toxic childhood to a very toxic marriage. And I, I feel like when you go from an abusive relationship, you know, with your parents, you tend to find an abusive partner because that's all you know. Totally. And um, that was just abusive in every way you can imagine. And it took a toll on my body on the inside. And, you know, I just and stress can do to you. And it was when I was 25 years old. Um, I woke up one morning and the whole left side of my body was completely numb. And I thought I had a stroke because the left side of my body, you know, mouth was drooping a little bit, tingling, face, all of it. I'm kind of limping, couldn't walk, not a lot of strength. And we didn't have insurance. So we're like, what is going on with me? So I had no idea. But um, I'm going to take a step back, going back from dealing with all the, the chaos in my home. I started to drink a lot. And so I thought, okay, maybe it's just the alcohol. So I'm not going to drink. I'm going to cut that off a little bit. And, you know, nothing was working. And it was actually months before I went to. And I was going through a divorce. I was like, I'm going to leave him. So right in the middle of leaving him, this all happened. And I was like, okay, I got to go to the doctor because I'm not getting better. Still numb, still tingly. And it's weird. And you know what? I actually did Google my symptoms and it said MS. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not right. Mm -hmm. No. So I went to the doctors and, um, you know, they did an MRI, spinal tap, in-office um, exam. It took, it took a little while to diagnose me. There was a lot of tests that had to be done. And they came back and told me I had MS. And I was just in disbelief. I was like, wait, what? I remember where I was at. I was at the gym when they called me and I just like sat to the floor and I was just in shock. It was via and, a phone call. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I was like, you got to tell me they called me and I was like, you have to tell me what you found. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Do you know, um, cause you did the spinal tap. So did you have O-bands present in your cerebrospinal fluid? Were there other things they were looking for in like blood work or what were the markers that they were like, okay, this is how we know. It was the O-bands. Okay. Okay. Oh. And then when I did the MRI, um, there was several lesions and holes mm -hmm. in my brain just kind of lit up like a Christmas tree. Yep. Yeah. And then the, the physical exam, you know, my balance was so off, um, couldn't hold things. I remember just trying to hold my kid. He was three years old in my arm in my left arm. And I couldn't, and I would try to fold laundry and I would literally just throw my arm over to fold his clothes. And it was really hard. I just had no idea what was going on with me. And you dealt like this, you dealt with this, excuse me, for months before you were seen. Oh my gosh. Yes. Wow. Yes. Looking back, I'm like, not smart, not smart. But at the same time. And like, one thing that is so interesting about chronic illnesses like this is insurance and all of that, like is such a major factor in your life at all times. And so 
when you don't have that or when you don't have like the financial resources or whatever you need, it sometimes is like it feels smart to not do anything because otherwise you just like can't bear the burden or you think you can't bear the burden of like what would happen if you had to pay the bills. So I totally get that. <laughs> I can understand yeah. that completely. <laughs> and, you know, looking back, I also think there was a part of me that was really scared to hear. Oh, what totally. They would fight. It's like a so protective I, mechanism. Totally. Avoidance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so once you, once you get a diagnosis, I don't know, you know, about you, it's, I was like, I had, you know, I had no tools. I was like, this is a death sentence. Like, what am I going to do? And I did not accept this diagnosis for seven years. Okay. And that was my next question. Cause you have a post about this on Instagram and I want to know what your lack of acceptance looked like. And then what acceptance looked like, how you knew you had kind of come to terms with it or whatever that meant for you. Yes. So I didn't accept it. I was like, no, no. Um, They gave me some medications. I would take it, you know, because I didn't want anything to happen. But I didn't study the disease. I didn't dive in and really figure out what was going on. I knew from the very beginning, though, once I was diagnosed, I knew that um, it was something I wanted to do naturally but I still took the medications because I'm scared. I'm doing this like alone. You know, I'm divorced. My parents aren't with me. These decisions I'm making are alone. So they're like, the doctors are like, take this, this, and this, and this, and this was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, they had me on shots. They had me on Xanax. They had me on Adderall. They had me on gabapentin. They had me on all these nerve medicines. And so I was just like this walking zombie. Yeah. Well, and you don't, when you don't know a lot about a condition, it's hard to know like what questions to ask and when to get second opinions, like, because it's so out of left. I mean, again, just speaking from my own personal experience, I just remember being like, I am so out of my element here. Like, I don't even know what direction to go. Like, I just is so overwhelming and confusing. So I get it. Keep going. (laughs) Yeah. And the doctor said, you know, if you don't take this medication, I remember she said, you will end up in a wheelchair. And I'm just like, Okay. Yeah. And then they say things like that. And it's like, hold on here. You can't say those things. Yeah. It was like, oh. oh, I don't want to do that. So, you know, I didn't really, I didn't take care of myself at all. At all. I went into a very self-destructive phase, a party phase where I was drinking a lot. You know, um, I was not showing up as the mom that my kids needed, unfortunately, the, the behaviors from my childhood started showing up in me. Um, and so I was just drinking, I was doing party drugs. Um, I was out late. I wasn't exercising. I was eating terrible and I, my health just was declining. And here I am thinking, well, this is just MS, you know, <laughs> this is just, I'm not doing anything wrong. This right. is just these taking over. I had no idea. And I was suffering so much. I was so depressed. I was so suicidal. And, um, I had, I was dating men who were not good for me. Stress is such a trigger for MS. And, you know, I had a relapse and it was really bad. And, um, they were back to back within three months. I had two relapses. I was dating this guy who was just, the stress was unreal. And that last relapse, um, it put me in the hospital 
to where I can walk. I had to have a wheelchair. And then when I went from wheelchair, I went to a, a walker and then a cane. And this was months of not being able to move. And he obviously had left me because it was too hard for him. And so I was doing this alone, no parents, you know, no one. And it was so hard. And how long after um, your initial relapse were these two back-to-back ones? You know, it was about six years. Okay. Yep, six years. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I was on medication, but it was six years of self-destruction. Yeah. <laughs> that, that really, it took me out and it put me in a wheelchair. Yeah. Wow. And, um, so I hit, hit my rock bottom. I just remember going home from the hospital, having nobody there. And I was like, I'm, I had enough, like, I want to be done and out of this world. And the doctor, you know, I had a plan. The doctor sent me home with sleeping pills, 60 sleeping pills. And I wrote a letter to my kids. I don't even know what it said anymore, but you know, it was just kind of a goodbye letter. It's just so sad looking back and thinking that that I was so low and I took six, I took the whole bottle and I woke up the next day (laughs) with nothing. Like I didn't even, I don't even think I slept that good. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that was a big, like, you're supposed to be here. Let's get this together. And it was that morning. I was like, okay, I've had enough of my own crap. I think when we finally realized we have had enough of ourselves, that's when the moment we decided to change. Yeah. And I woke up and I, I gratitude journaled pages of everything that I can think of that I was grateful for because when you're in such a low place, all you can focus on on the negative. And I was such a victim to my circumstances, you know, no one's here to help me. My life's hard. You know, this sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I made a gratitude list and added everything I can think of from the sky to the air, to the sidewalks, to the dogs, you know? And I said, I don't know how I'm going to pull myself out of this, but I'm going to make small goals and I'm going to try to do the best I can. And still, I was at the point where I was still needing um, help assistance walking with the walls. So I'd go from wall to wall or object to object, you know, no cane or anything like that. I was trying to do it by myself because my legs were so numb. I was like, okay, I need to get to the gym. So I took myself to the gym. And I made a goal, you know, um, go for 20 minutes, three times a week, do the best you can. That was my goal. And I would, I was the girl, I was wobbling in the gym from machine to machine with the lightest weight because I was so weak and the gym was a big part of my life for, and I was strong and it took it from me. So I had resentment for that. So that morning when I woke up with the gratitude is when I said, I have to accept this. And I've completely accepted my disease since, and that's when my life turned around. But at the gym, um, you know, these small goals, a few days a week, and then it slowly got a little stronger. So I increased my goal a little more. I started eating better. Um, I started just changing my mindset, changing my mindset, cutting out drinking. Obviously, I put myself in rehab and um, they taught me some basic tools just basic tools that I was never taught growing up, like give yourself a morning routine. And I was like, okay, 
I don't know what that'll do, but I'll try. <laughs> and these things, I'm like, the morning routine I still do to this day. And um, I, so I did that and I, you know, I did therapy and meditation, um, got myself outside and some sun, just made new friends, got a new circle of friends, cut out the toxic people. And it, it was years of doing these things for me to feel like a human again, but mm -hmm. I knew it would take consistency and time. And, um, on my healing journey, you know, I found many different modalities, like I said, and I found breath work, which was one of them, which is what I teach today and breath work. It changed, it has changed my life for the better. It is, um, Oh, it is such an amazing tool that we have access to for free and people have no idea what their breath can do for them. But the things I've seen it do to other people, the things it's done for me, it's completely turned my life around. Yeah. I have so many thoughts. I am <laughs> just so amazed by you. And I think the fact that, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head with how you kind of had to be the one to realize, you know, I can't live with this. Cause I'm sure, you know, anyone can tell us these things, like you got to change your life. You got to change your life, but really it has to come from us in the beginning. And I think it's such a significant demonstration of character for your ability to be able to recognize that for yourself. And one thing that it brought to mind is, is your, your willingness to do things that were so hard. You know, I think of, especially, you know, we're right at the new year right now, people are potentially setting goals, thinking about setting goals and, and maybe not, and that's fine. But there generally are a lot of like new people in the gym and try people trying new things. And this is just such a great reminder that you cannot judge anybody. No, you cannot look at anybody and, and assume anything because you have no idea what they are going through. And like the fact that you were able and willing to get yourself there when it was probably so physically difficult and mentally and emotionally difficult and, you know, have difficulty walking and still be able to push yourself to try. I just think is such a powerful example to the world of what is possible. And so I just am so um, in awe of you. I think that's just absolutely incredible. And considering too, you know, your history and your trauma and your past, like it just, it's amazing how those things influence our decisions and that you were still able to humble yourself enough to make the decisions that you did. I just, I just think that's amazing. Um, Thank you. And I think too, you speak of your own decision, but then you sought out resources, therapy and meditation, and you put yourself into rehab. I mean, that's incredible. Yep. Yes. It's just so, so incredible that you're able to do that. Um, and that segues into breathwork that what you do now, I think it's so meaningful that you have built a business around something that has been so life-changing for you. So let's break down in essence, what breathwork is for those that might not know. Okay. So it is an active meditation where we use deep breathings to activate our nervous system and put us in different states of consciousness which when we're in those states of consciousness, we are able to remove blocks that have been in our system, remove energy, negative energy, because when we go through anything traumatic or stressful, I do believe that disease lives in the body with trauma. 100%. 100%. I feel like 
when you get diagnosed with something like that, it is an eye opener. And I was like, oh, this, there's way more to this. This isn't just something that just happened. You know, it's the trauma living in my body. When we don't process those emotions, they get stuck in our system. And like I said, I was an avoider, never felt anything, just round head, numbed out, didn't feel a thing. So I was sick. And so what breathwork does is, like I said, when we're in these deep breath patterns, breathing for these long periods of time, it goes in there and it breaks those um, um, those that stuck energy in our bodies and it clears it out of the way so that you can live your best life. And it helps you work through trauma. It is like you can do an hour of breath work is like years of therapy. <laughs> yeah. And well, and, oh, go ahead. It is just so powerful because of what it, it, it doesn't make you relive your trauma, but it helps you feel the emotions that, so you can move through what you didn't feel when you went through that traumatic experience. Yeah. So I've read the book, the emotion code that talks about clearing emotions. Um, yeah. That's kind of done via muscle testing. Mm-hmm. How does that compare to breath work? Cause there's not any like breathing incorporated into at least from what I know. Um, how does that compare? Do, are you familiar with that book? And, you know, yeah, I do get energy work done on me. Um, so I'm not familiar with the book, but I do get energy work done okay. with okay. who have done that book because we're all energy, everything, you know, right. everything is ener- energy and we are able to move that energy with movement, with breath, with sound, sound healing. I, I, I think breath work is in my opinion, more powerful because you are doing it. Not someone else is doing it for you. You are doing it. You are actually going into your body, into your subconscious mind, and you are moving those energy blocks. So not somebody else. So you're able to really feel whatever's coming through. You're able to, and you'll get stuff will come through. Um, and you'll be like, what was that? Or you'll get these clarity or these visions and these answers and people have told me just the most insane stories of what they were able to work through. And, and it just blows my mind every time, every time I've done with a session, I have no words for what I just saw or what I, um, or what they just told me because of how powerful this work is. Yeah, And, you know, it's all in our nervous system. I'm, I'm, activating your nervous system, then I'm slowing it down. I'm activating it again. And when I, when I slow it down and you're in that relaxed state of breathing, you're able to have an emotional release and you're able to release whatever is not serving you or that's been stuck in your body for so long. You're able to yell and scream and let it all out. And you feel so safe within your body. Even if there's a room of 80 people, which I've done groups at large, you feel so safe and you're in your own, you know, your own element. It allows you to get out of your mind and drop, really drop in your body. And if you let your guard down and trust the process, trust the facilitator, trust yourself, you will have a very transformational experience. Oh my gosh. I completely believe that. And I love the phrase feeling safe in your body because I feel like the combination of like trauma that we all experience with 
our own like insecurities because of whether it's diet culture or societal expectations or just other people's opinions of us. There are a lot of things that can make us uncomfortable and feel unsafe in our bodies. And unfortunately, I feel like it's more of a rarity to find someone that really does feel safe in their body for a variety of reasons, you know, including the ones I just mentioned. But I think that there is no better gift to give yourself than that feeling of safety in your body, because that's where you are. You are nowhere else. Right. And so to think of, of giving yourself that, I mean, it's, I would imagine the benefits of that are just countless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and breathwork does make you feel safe in your body. And it's really about allowing yourself to surrender, which so many of us, it's so hard for us. So many people come in and they're like, well, I see this work for other people. It's not going to work for me. This is a little woo woo. I hear this all the time. And then they're the ones who have the most incredible experience, but it's about surrendering and just, okay. Breath work. It can be uncomfortable. It brings up a lot of sensations because you are moving so much oxygen and breathing out so much carbon dioxide and you're going to experience crazy numbness and tingling and and tetaning where your hands kind of claw up and your mouth will do weird things. And I just tell people, this is your time to let it all out. This is your time to feel what you want to feel and just let your body do whatever it wants to do. And so, you know, I have people who, um, scream a lot and cry a lot and yell and move a lot. And their fists go up because they're angry and they want to punch someone. (laughs) And then I have people who are just in such a relaxed, calm state because they've worked through a lot of their pain already. And they, we all want to get to that state, right? Yeah. It's not always about releasing breath work is about inviting in, inviting in that serenity, that peace, that calmness, that quiet. So you're grounded into your body. So you feel just so peaceful. You, you are just oxygenating your whole body. You feel alive after, like after each session, I'm like, give me more, give me more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's saying something. Cause I know you do a lot of sessions. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's pretty incredible. Um, I love that you use the word surrender because I think that it's when we aren't taught the skills of how to manage our mental and emotional state, we do go into that fight or flight. And the way that I see it in my clients, because whether it's coming from like extreme trauma or it's like, I'm feeling anxiety and I would rather like look at my phone than pay attention to this. I would rather eat than feel this all the way through. And I think that that is so much of the key to health is in that word in surrender, because those emotions when they're processed, right, are are harmless when we allow them just to pass through us. But when it becomes, you know, unprocessed and kind of trapped in there, that's when it causes problems. But we think we're solving it when it's like, oh, I'm feeling so anxious or uncomfortable. I'm just going to scroll. I'm just going to watch TV. I'm just going to go to alcohol. I'm just going to go to drugs. I'm just going to eat. And we think we're solving for it. And we might get like that temporary like buffer against it. But really, we just cause problems for ourselves down the road. And so that idea of surrendering, I think, is such a powerful illustration of what is required for us to process those things. And really it can be so, I mean, I mean, it is, it's so much more useful just to allow that because those emotions can't harm you if you just allow them to be there and if you open up to them. And so I think that's such a great way to think about it is just surrendering because you're not like tensing up against it. You're just 
letting it kind of like flow through you, which I think is just magical in a way. No, it is. And I think a lot of us are taught like when we're little to like, don't cry, don't yes. cry. No, hold yeah. it in. You know, I was, I wasn't allowed to feel. And even with like men, you know, they are taught to be, they need to be strong. They can't show their emotions. Right. And that is not a fact. Like I get so many men and oh, the, the releases these guys have is just so amazing. But so we don't allow ourselves to feel those and, or we don't want to feel anxious. You're right. So we numb out. And I did this for years and I'm living proof that numbing out was not good for me. <laughs> and so when those feelings start coming through, you know what, even if it's a good feeling like happiness, because everything we have, every feeling we have is going to pass the sad yeah. ones, the good ones. We have to just lean into it and feel it. And it's the yucky ones that are hard, you know, the heartbreak or the anxiety or the stress. We don't want to feel those. So we just avoid it. And so the, when we're in these breathwork journeys and people are allowing themselves to feel it, they're releasing and feeling years of pain that they've been carrying. And they're able to, like I said, clear that out and live their life to their fullest. And, and, you know, I get lately, I've been having more kids come to my classes and it's been, it's been pretty cool because kids go through stuff too. They just, you know, they, a lot of them, they don't talk about it, but they go through stuff just like us. They get stressed out. They get anxious. Right. And, and I've guided kids. I, I did a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old and they shared their experiences. You know, the 13-year-old said, um, my dad always told me, you know, that I was enough and I never believed it until tonight. Like she felt it in her body. She felt love and compassion for herself and she felt like she was enough and she was 13 and it was just so beautiful. The whole room was crying. Yeah. <laughs> and well, then and go ahead. And then the, the nine-year-old who did it, he was bawling. And after he just was like, it felt so much love. And he's like, we're here on this planet to love each other and just to have these kids know how to self-regulate and to know that it's okay to feel, it's okay to lean into those emotions, you know, stop and breathe, take a breath because taking changing your breath in any circumstance will change the way you feel. Yeah. It's so good for depression and anxiety and stress on the spot. But having these kids, um, being taught this at such a young age, it would have been a game changer for me if I was taught that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what I was just going to say is I just, I don't think you can overstate the effect. I mean, that you as an individual are having on the world with what you're sharing with these people that are taking your courses, but I, as much as the world is a wild place right now, I think it is pretty amazing to see what resources that we are, that we have access to and, you know, what people like you are, are available to the world, especially like with technology. It's so cool that we have access to people across the world because of technology in this day and age. But as much as things are hard in the world right now, I think it is pretty incredible what we have access to. And the fact that, you know, you are contributing to the world in this way and helping even these two kids create an entirely different experience. Like that's what the world needs. And it's, it's just so powerful that you're contributing that to such a young generation. And I think it's really, you know, it makes me happy to be alive right now to be like, you know, 
it's not so bad because it's like we've got a lot of really cool things and a lot of really cool people that are making the world a better place and helping these kids regulate when it's probably harder to regulate now than it's ever been. And so I think that's just such a, such a gift and something I have to remind myself when I'm like, oh my gosh, the world is ending. This is horrible. Everything's awful. I feel like, no, there are so many great things happening. Things like Jen, who are people like Jen, who are doing such amazing things. Um, so what would you say then? Cause it sounds like breathwork is applicable to anybody in all circumstances of all ages. What type of breathwork practice do you implement? So you're teaching a lot, but is it something that you incorporate daily? I mean, I know we're breathing all the time, but like, how do you incorporate it yourself into your day-to-day life? Yes. I know when I, um, first, when someone first asked me, have you done breathwork before? I, my first thought was like, I breathe all the time. What are you talking about? You're like, well, yes, pretty (laughs) sure I've always been breathing as far as I know. (laughs) (laughs) I never knew. And then I did it and I was like, whoa, what? just happened. Yeah. But, um, I always tell people because they ask these journeys I take them on are, they can be intense. They can be anywhere between you can get a great experience with 20 minutes. The longer you go, the deeper you go, the more transformation you're going to have. I go anywhere between 20 minutes to over an hour when people want. Um, so those journeys, they can take a lot out of you. And I, if usually when people are going through something or they really want to work through something and it's in the forefront of their mind, the breath will take you there to help you work through whatever that is. And if, if it's something big, you know, I recommend doing um, the journeys like twice a week, two to three times a week. And then for sure, once a week, these journeys are amazing. And definitely at least once a month do it because it's just a reset for your nervous system clears out whatever gunk's in there, gives you more clarity, helps you have insights for whatever you're needing in your life currently. And so I personally wake up every day and I do three to five minutes, just play a song. And there's a lot of different breathing techniques you can do. Um, You can do just the nose or just the mouth or in through the nose and out through the mouth. And for a more relaxing one, you'll want your inhales um, to be short and then your exhales to be long and that'll put you in a parasympathetic state, a more relaxing state. So when people are anxious, you can breathe in through your nose for like four seconds and then just breathe out for like eight seconds and then just do that. And then for like energy, you want, you know, like right before the gym you reverse it. So longer inhales and then really short exhales. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That activates the sympathetic nervous system, gets you a little more activated and a little more energy. So um, I just play a song and I pick a breath pattern, usually more relaxing, just kind of a grounding. Get me nice yeah. and good. Yeah. And three to five minutes a day would put you start your day off right. It, it's, it's like it's clearing out the body. It's clearing out whatever was in there from the night, the night before and giving you a fresh start from the day. Yeah. Well, and what I love about that is like, I know that my instinct sometimes in the morning is first thing to like, look at my phone, like check my email really quick, like see what my calendar is for the day. And I've really noticed over the last year, how just even that like first three or four minutes of the day sets me up and it's not good. Right. Cause it already like puts my mind a little bit cluttered. Right. I already feel a little bit dysregulated because I'm, my mind's in a million different places. And so 
I think it's so important for us to recognize like those little things that we do, especially at the beginning of the day matter, you know, and coming back full circle to like your morning routine and kind of implementing that in your whole acceptance journey. Like those things make such a difference. And so it's often those things that we think are like almost too easy to do. Like three minutes of just sitting there taking some very deliberate breaths almost seems like something that's just like, it's almost too easy. That wouldn't make a difference. Right. But it does. And I think that it's those little things that we have to do for ourselves that allow us to compound all the efforts together to create the life that we want, the health that we want. And so I love that that's something that you incorporate is it is just those very small things um, that can totally change the trajectory of your day of your life. Like it's so powerful. Yes. And it's, it's, discipline and people yeah. ask me you know all the time like how did you feel better from S ms i say it was the little things consistently every day consistency and discipline yeah i know it sounds so simple but that is what that changed is what it is life and um i haven't had a relapse in seven years so let's come back to this then what is the state of your health now so it's been seven years since your relapse. So that's the 13 years since the, okay, just doing the math in my head. Okay. So yes. What does your health look like now? Amazing. Um, I'm the strongest I've ever been. My doctors told me I am their strongest patient. <laughs> so whatever I'm doing, keep it up. Um, I, I changed my diet. Like I said, I changed all my habits and I don't even notice I have it. Yeah nothing ever comes up. I mean, I think fatigue does, but I'm like, I don't know. I feel like a tired person sometimes a lot. So yeah. Well, and especially when you've got children and a business and a life, like it's hard to distinguish uh -huh. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I don't even notice that I have it. I feel great. Um, I'm not on any medications, you know, I took myself on everything. Um, I manage it with all these tools that I have. And I'm not saying there's, there's, there is a place for um, medications. There is a place for doctors sure. and everything. And I would never tell anyone to do that, but like this was the journey that I found best for myself and what has helped me the most. And not only that, but my mental health because I was a very depressed person. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I go through, I go through seasons, especially with yeah. the weather. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but other than that, my health is great. And I'm very grateful every day. I'm just so grateful that I get a show up for my kids that I'm walking again. I always thank my legs. Like I look at them and thank you. Yeah. thank you for walking again. Thank you for feeling again. Thank you for moving. You know, it, it might, it might seem silly, but I like do that. And I talk to my body. No, I do the same thing. And I am such a proponent of the idea that your body hears everything the mind says. Uh -huh. And again, it's not something that we're taught necessarily as children or as young adults about how to talk to your body, because I think we're naturally inclined to be critical, to, you know, be, be rude to it. And whether it's very conscious or not so much, I think that that's just our natural inclination. So sometimes it does take effort to override that, but but the power of it is extreme. Our ability to influence our body with the way that we talk to it, I think is very understated. And so it's, it's such a powerful yet simple way to manage your health. Uh -huh. And so I love that. I, I don't think that's silly at all. I do that to myself all the time. I just am like toes. Thank you for helping me stay balanced or, you know, it's, it's constant. Um, 
And something that I am talking about a lot, because with chronic illness, it's always an interesting thing. There is a great deal we can do for ourselves with fitness and nutrition, with the way we're moving, the way we're eating, the way we're thinking, right? There's so, so much that we can do for a condition with that. And then there's also the space of the things that we don't have control over, the things that will still happen no matter what, no matter how strong and disciplined we are. And I think that that space is where the mental health piece comes in, right? Because we have to know how to take care of ourselves when we've done everything and it still wasn't enough, where our body still was just going to do things no matter what. And so I think that that is especially where what you do could be so powerful is learning to process all of the grief and the pain and the sorrow and all the emotions that come up with chronic illnesses, because it, it really is inevitable no matter how, how much you take care of yourself. And so I love that you have yeah. such a comprehensive approach to all of it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and life happens to us. Right. And right. our body remembers, even if we don't remember something, our body remembers, and that's where the trauma is. And so life happens to us. And so when I'm going through anything, I'm going through some heartbreak right now, not fun, <laughs> but breath work, I guess I'm, I need a breath work journey. It helps me, yeah. it helps me get back to my center. It helps me to release and Ugh, feeling all the icky stuff, yeah. but my life is happening for me right now. And these tools are helping me. Yeah. Helping me get by. Right. And to surrender to that heartbreak, right. To move through it rather than like, like, I think sometimes people think meditation and maybe breath work. It's like, Oh, I just, I'm going to feel better for all these things. And it's like, no, sometimes you kind of have to feel worse to get through it, but that's what creates more of like the cleansing of it all rather than keeping it trapped in your body. So I think that that's such a, uh, huh such a powerful tool to have when you're going through yeah. anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so let's like, what are you currently working on in your health? What's kind of like your focus recently this year in general, what's been the next thing you've been working on? Just my strength still, um, always on my strength. I think it is such a mental thing for me because I was, it was taken away from me like that. And so just, I am, I lift weights because it helps to build the strength, but anything to move my body really okay. there's yoga is good. So good for you. Any type of movement because you're moving energy, but I just, um, right now I'm just focused on strength still. It's yeah. important to me. And I go, I do it for my kids you know, this is my why I don't, I used to go to the gym because I wanted to look good. <laughs> now my why is completely different. I want to be able to walk and show up for my kids and, yep. um, walk my dog, you know, and hike. Yeah. I, I couldn't hike and I love hiking. And so it's just getting back and not only like working out and getting strength for the body, but it's good for your mind. Yeah. Good for your mental health. Totally. And that was one thing, oh, totally. Right. Um, I was thinking about that this morning is the idea of like, if exercise were to never change the physical appearance of your body, like, would you still do it? And mm -hmm. the answer for me is absolutely no question. hundred percent. I would still do it. Oh. Um, because similar to you, like my, why has changed for why I do it? Um, and why I go and the physical aesthetic piece is very little 
if any, at this point, just because I recognize the benefits are so much greater in the other areas. And so I, yeah. I think that that's also something that can be interesting for people to consider too. Like if, if we were to eliminate the physical aesthetic piece, could mm-hmm. you find a compelling enough reason to continue to exercise? Because the physical change takes a lot of time and it's slow and, you know, requires a lot of patience and consistency, but you reap a great deal of benefits, like from a single workout, from just moving for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, like you immediately have benefits from that. And I think that even shifting that perspective and kind of that, um, mindset around exercise can be such a great way to help yourself find the motivation when maybe it's lacking. Um, but I think that it can also create sustainability, right? When you have something that's so compelling that it's like your children, your ability to move, you know, that's so much more powerful than just like, I just want to look good, (laughs) which is valid. It's valid to want that as well. But it's just, I think it's important to consider all of the aspects when it comes to exercise. Oh, absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I've drove myself to the gym still. And I'm like, I'm not feeling it today. And I have to switch my mindset. Like you're doing this for your future, like get, get in there and get that energy moving and get the body going, you know? And so there are so many important other factors. And like you said, like you said, diet too. Diet's huge. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I am. I'm number one fan for incorporating like dietary approaches to chronic illnesses. So yeah. Yes. That was the start of my healing is changing my diet and the inflammation. Yep. And with that breath work helps with inflammation in the body. Totally. Yeah. So with, with yeah, that mass, yeah, yeah, I'm all, my body's like inflamed and, um, it helps with inflammation. It helps with blood pressure. There's so many health benefits, not just, not just all the mind stuff, like not just like working through trauma or whatever, yeah. there's health benefits to it. There's science behind it. It is. If you haven't tried breath work, trust me. <laughs> I right class. now. <laughs> Come to my class um, and just witness for yourself what it could do. Okay. So let's round off today. One simple pleasure, one pet peeve can be in any category. What would you say those would be for you? Oh, oh, let's see. Simple pleasure, uh, coffee. Okay. Love it. Love it. It's just so soothing with the creamer and stuff. Right. I know when it was warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. A pet peeve. It's just the strangest thing, but noises people make with their mouths. <laughs> yes. If I'm sitting there and people are making weird noises with their mouths or like biting their lip, and it's like, I it just does something to me. It just makes my skin crawl, and I have to leave the room. Oh, I'm with you. My three year old grinds her teeth in the night, so when she comes into bed, I'm like, girl, the second you make that noise, I'm taking you right back. Yeah, or. <laughs> Like with their tongue or or braces. I'm like, stop. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's talk about, um, you offer a free breathwork class. Is that right? That anyone can come try. So tell us about that and where they can find it. Yes. So, um, on my Instagram at that breathwork girl, um, I do it once a month and there's a link in my profile. It's called the breath hour. And so it's an hour class because I have to explain everything. Then we go through the journey. And so it's a long, an hour long, but we only breathe for 20 minutes. And that is plenty of time. 
to lining up to experience transformation and get yourself grounded to move any energy, reset that nervous system. And I do it for free um, every month because I want people to, there's a lot of skeptics out there. I was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or people are like, I need a breathwork session. I'm going through a breakup. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So something like that. And so I want people to have access to it. And so I offer it and the words getting out there, I'm having more people show up each time and I'm grateful for it. it. I love it. And, um, so I do that free. And then if you're in Utah, I hold in-person classes and these are my favorites. I am a breathwork group girl where I like to go. There's, there's people who are like, no, I want a private sessions, which I do one-on-ones. I come to you, you come to me. Yeah. Um, I do couple sessions, which couple sessions are powerful. Doing the work together with your partner is powerful work. And I suggest everyone does it. (laughs) Yeah. These Um, group ones, these group ones that I do when they're big, oh, I love it. The energy in the room, people are complete strangers. They sit up after they're like, I don't know who you are, but I love you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, I believe it 100%. I, and I think it, it is such like, for one thing, it's so generous of you to like give your time because I know you're a busy person, but I think it also speaks to how much you believe in it. And then knowing your story, it's like, I just don't know why anyone wouldn't give it a shot. (laughs) So um, I'm going to include your Instagram as well as the link to um, sign up for the free class for anyone that's listening that is interested in signing up. Um, This free class is virtual, so anyone can attend. And I I just think it would be silly not to take advantage of something like this. So I will include all of that in the show notes. Um, Anything else you'd like to add before we sign off today? Um, Yeah, I am in the works of creating a course. Hopefully it'll come together soon for people with chronic illnesses. (gasps) Magic. And just going through and teaching them what has helped me through mine step-by-step and helped me. So um, I have a lot of followers who found me that have MS, but not just MS, just any chronic illness, you know? Yeah. Yep. If anything, I felt so alone and I don't want people to feel alone and suffer in silence and know that um, there's a community out there of people and that we're warriors and that we can get through this because it is hard, but we got this one day at a time. There's mm-hmm. light at the end of that tunnel. Yes. Yes. And, and we didn't even get into that, but that is such a true experience for me at least, but like the loneliness in a condition is real and finding a community is one of the greatest things you can do for yourself to support yourself through, um, any type of chronic condition. So we will be on the lookout for this course. I know I will be, cause that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's exactly what I need. So, um, thank you so much for your time today. I, have no doubt that you will touch so many people. I have been touched. I I just am so grateful that you took the time to be here today and I can't wait to share you with the world. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Are you ready to lose weight, but you don't know where to start? I have something for free that can help. Here at Brain Diet, I offer a free set your custom macros call. 
On this call, I'll want to know what your goals are and set you on the nutritional path to achieving them. This is a private call with me where I get all the information about you and your body so I can deliver a custom calorie and macronutrient count that when implemented will lead to weight loss in a kind and nourishing way. And if you're ready to hire a coach to walk you through every step of your weight loss journey, I'll tell you everything you need to know about that too. So if it's your time to start losing weight in a sustainable, healthy, and nourishing way, sign up for this free set your custom macro call at the link in the show notes. I'll see you soon. Thank you.